Hey, Gravity Formers, it's Monday, September 18th. Lots of updates to your favorite contact form plugin for WordPress and two fantastic interviews lined up, especially if you're into email marketing. It's Breakdown, a Gravity Forms podcast. All right, welcome back to Breakdown. Let's get some housekeeping stuff out of the way first. Number one. Gravity Forms is sponsoring WP Accessibility Day 2023. You can tune into the live stream for free or a donation ticket on September 27th through the 28th. Find the website at wpaccessibility.day and stick around for the third segment of today's show because not only will Amber Hines talk about the event, but she'll also share how she built the website using Gravity Forms. And number two, join me on September 28th at 11 a.m., Eastern, along with Adam Pickering from the team over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Gravity WP for another 101 live stream event. We'll be covering some of the important updates coming to our add-ons and core features like the orbital theme features and what's new with Gravity SMTP. Don't worry if you miss it. It'll be recorded uh, live stream to YouTube. So certainly recorded and presented on our YouTube page. Speaking of email, we have a few additional updates to some key add-ons you might use. Aweber 4.0 add-on was released last month. This will use Aweber's new REST API, so look forward to more enhancements to the add-on as time goes on. And we've officially launched our own ConvertKit add-on, which is now in beta inside your admin dashboard. Check that out if you're a ConvertKit customer. For a while now, the ConvertKit add-on was developed and maintained by the ConvertKit team. With how fast WordPress is changing, along with our own software, we thought it was best to have our own official add-on to lead development and support moving forward. We're working with the ConvertKit team to make this as seamless a transition as possible for you. So again, if you're using ConvertKit, maybe you were looking for some other features that the existing ConvertKit add-on uh, didn't have that you really desire, we can check, or you can check out that beta add-on in your dashboard, start using it and give us some feedback. That would be fantastic. Some additional good news for you ConvertKit users coming up in the next segment. I interviewed Jason Resnick, who runs a site called NurtureKit.co and specializes in ConvertKit for his customers. So coming up next, you'll hear what it takes to run a successful newsletter campaign and what areas a lot of us, myself included, fall short in. Here's Jason. Hey, Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Matt. Excited to be here. I'm bringing you on because as of this publication of this recording, we should have our ConvertKit beta add-on out. You can download the beta right at the bottom of your dashboard. And we're looking forward to any feedback you know you might have before it goes into production-ready mode. But Jason, I've known you for many, many years, and you have a high concentration on ConvertKit. So I was hoping you could share some of those, those battle stories with us today. Sure, absolutely. So you have a pretty dialed in business. I've been interviewing a lot of folks that have, and you might not like, like this phrase, but I think a lot of people get it, this sort of productized business where you can do this thing and then connect up a service to what looks like a product on the outside, mm -hmm. but you do consulting and digital downloads and all that stuff. For the folks listening, what is it that you do with ConvertKit these days and what is your product offering? 
Yeah, I help course creators and coaches and some agencies even basically sell digital products through email automation, through most of the middle of the funnel, to be quite frank. Yes, while, you know, the sexy thing is ads and new subscriber onboarding and pitching and flashes, flash sales and launches and stuff, 85% of your sales are going to come through the middle of the funnel. So that's what I really focus in on, more so on the behavior side of things. So by you giving goodwill, your subscribers are going to naturally fall into sales funnels. And that's what I help folks build out. What is it that folks are missing from that middle of the funnel? And I'll just pontificate for a moment. I think there's the top of the funnel. It's, hey, check me out. I got this value add thing over here. I'm spraying and praying across all social platforms, my website, you know, doing all the things to drive and generate buzz. And now they're in the funnel at the top. What is it in that middle that a lot of people miss? Yeah, you said it, spray and pray, right? Because they don't really think too much. I mean, all right, I'll take a step back. It actually is sending emails is first thing, right? On a consistent basis, not once a month or every other month or just, hey, I'm going to do a sprint and write for two straight weeks and then go dark for three months. Pick a day, pick a cadence, pick a time and show up every single day or every single week like you promise and then show up with a plan. Spray and pray never works. I had a lot of people, hey, it's Tuesday. I'm going to get down. I'm going to write something. The blank page comes up, whatever comes to mind. That's what they write about. Instead, I'm not saying that you can't do that, but do that with intent. You know what you have to sell. You know what's profitable. You know what you want people to buy. Well, make the call to action for those that are ready to buy from you the, the thing in that you write about, right? So write your stories, write your curated link lists or whatever the case is. But then at the end, what's the next step for them? Give them that sales page, give them that buy button, whatever it is that you want them to do or book a call even, right? Lead into that and do that with intent. And when you do that in the middle of the funnel, you'd be surprised how much money you do make just from those links. I want to talk about trust in email in a moment because I think that's a big thing. Technically speaking, is there something that people miss in the middle of the funnel, like from a technical level? Like, should you be setting up a certain, or is there like a blueprint for every kind of scenario? Somebody signs up to the newsletter, you must email them three times that first week, or you must put them into a drip campaign of minimum 12 emails. Like, do you have like a technical idea of what people miss or does it really depend on their situation? What I think people miss, especially with regard to new subscriber onboarding is a welcome sequence that designed, that is designed to create a story arc to the thing that you want somebody to buy. Right. So a lot of people put welcome sequences up, but they give them like the best hits, right? Like, Hey, these are emails that worked and it's a mishmash of five emails in a row over five days. And then just like, okay, that's great. Like it's super helpful, but I mean, where does it all lead? Right. I always like to say, how can we create that sequence? Whether it's three emails, five emails, seven emails, it doesn't really matter, but 
how do you create that story arc that leads that when that final email of the welcome sequence lands, that you could send a buy button the next email and it would make total sense for them. Many of us, and this is my own opinion, which is going to lead me into talking about trust in a moment. Like I'll be on Twitter. I'll see somebody tweet something out, post something. And they'd be like, oh, follow me, follow my newsletter for like more insights. So, you know, I'm, I'm just whatever. I'm like scrolling through and I'm like, oh, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool tweet that they put out. So yeah, you know, I'll check out their newsletter and I sign up and then days go by. I've totally forgotten who this person was, but there's that email in my inbox and they're already selling me something. I'm like, wait a minute, what, who, how did I get here? Where was this thing? And I'd imagine in that scenario, that person didn't have a welcoming onboarding sequence because it's just, boom, I'm getting sold. And then on their side, I'm thinking as a marketer myself, well, how are you successful with this? <laughs> you know, it's like, how does this work? It, which all leads me up to trust, but no question there, a little bit of a soapbox moment, but any thoughts on that trust component when onboarding people to your newsletter? Yeah, I try to, I mean, it takes a lot of work, right? Like I, and truth be told, I do those kind of tactics and that's what people see that as a tactic. And what you're finding out is three out of four, just add you to their list. And then you kind of get this email, like, where did this person come from? You know, that's happening a lot these days with various different ways people are growing their list. But I try to create experiences with folks. So how they come onto the list, I try to transition them smoothly into who I am, into my welcome sequence, right? That talks about the value that I'm going to be giving them, why they would even want to pay attention to me in the first place, like why I'm different than other people, right? So taking a little thought and time through that experience, whether it's from social whether that's through a webinar, just have a, and it doesn't need to be complex. It's just how you bring them on, mark them as such to give them at least an email that says, Hey, thanks for coming in from Twitter. Thanks for coming in from the webinar at an awesome hot time with the host and the current, you know, like come in as a transition. And that, I mean, you're doing 95% better, you know, better than 95% of yeah. people that are out there because you're, I mean, look, it's like somebody walks into your house and they walk into your entryway and then you just leave them there. Yeah. And like, you just don't, right? Like you take their coat, you say, here's the living room, whatever, right? Like, otherwise it's just like you open the door and then you just kind of walk away. And then it's like, oh, like you wouldn't do that in real life. So why right. do it in email? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then this other factor of trust is, you know, is in the content and is in the cadence here's another example signed up for a newsletter same scenario and i and you know saw that on twitter i was like oh that was pretty cool very interesting maybe it was even a pitch for their newsletter and i joined <clears throat> and then suddenly i'm getting these emails like every morning and i'm opening them up and it's just one sentence two sentences about whatever a topic or something like that and then i I, and it always linked out, right? So the weekend went by, I had like four emails in my inbox and, I, and I'm looking at all these things and I click the links and it just brings me back to their blog posts, but their blog posts are only like three or four years old. And it's just, I can tell like, again, from a marketer and where I'm going with this is I think a lot of us, look, no one loves email, right? No one's like, oh, I love my email. We all are like using it 
as a utility. A email in your inbox is not the same as scrolling on Instagram, right? You're not getting that same kind of kick in your brain of like, oh, this is fun. So we, we all want to process our emails, though we want the stuff that we want in the emails, right? So if all of a sudden I'm just getting these, you're just repurposing content as a marketer, but you're not putting any extra effort in it. Like you said, create an experience. It's fine if you want to repurpose content, but not fine to me if it's just, you're just like a rant, like it's like a lottery of your RSS feed. <laughs> Here's an right. email of a random blog post. I, I talked about this thing once like four years ago. Cool, but like if you're giving me something extra in this email, it's going to go many more miles for me. If you see what I'm getting, like sometimes just yeah. like marketers take the shortcuts and it's just like, put it on repeat, send it out, blast it. I'm going to move on to the next. And if these fools think that, you know, that this is good content, I'm going to sell something to them. And, and to me, that's just, you're really missing the mark. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's different ways and I think different formats of email that work for some, don't work for some, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, you have to find from a business owner perspective, you have to find what works for you and for your readers, right? And so, you know, if it's a, I mean, look, I, you know, I hate to say it, but like the AI newsletter craze of like the latest AI news, I mean, like how many more emails do we need for that? Like, I mean, that's enough already, right? Like, but I mean, when AI came out, there was a lot of people that were interested in it. Now, maybe not so much kind of thing. So it's like, how do you, how do you blend it in a way where, you know, okay, now I have a link list newsletter that's curated, but you know, I, I have a business to run. So I have things to sell. I have, you know, services, whatever the case is, you try to have to marry that in a way where even if you wanted to repurpose something from a blog post or something else, like, like you said, like add a layer on top of that, like recent news or something else. Like maybe if it was a blog article, maybe you now have a YouTube video on the thing. Right. And right. so blend it that way. Yeah. You know, that that's kind of like, I just think like people evergreen and then they forget. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I've had clients that have had a year long sequence that people go through. I'm like, well, when was the last time you looked at that? And they're like, oh, well, I looked at the numbers. I go, oh, yeah, I understand. But when you reference 2020 and pandemic and things like that, that's not relatable now. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you got to go yeah. update the content too. So email is hard, man. I get it is overwhelming. It's hard to set up. Um, it's not hard to set up. It's just you have to like sit down and critically think, at least in my head anyway, like critically think how you're going to set this segment up. And then I also think, my God, like how, like you just referenced one year sequence. I mean, where is there a sweet spot? Like at what point do you say, do you do like a 30 day sequence and then say, look, if, if they don't buy or upsell into your, your next thing in 30 days, then, then get them out of that sequence and, and just move them onto something else. Like, is there an industry standard or a, a litmus test that you look at with your clients to say, Look, generally 45 days, if they haven't bought by now, it ain't working. <laughs> like find something else. Like what, how do you approach that? Yeah. I mean, there's a 90 day window, like from when somebody finds who you are to their first purchase. I mean, that's the sweet spot. Like it, if you can't convert somebody between then, it's going to be harder to convert later on down the road, unless it's like some high ticket thing, like, you know, five figures or more. 
But what I say is, is like, look, make it simple. It's got to work for you, right? Like I went from in 2020, at the end of that year, I went from one-ish emails a, day, a week to six times a week. For me, it was like, do I even have enough to say? Am I going to burn my list? Like all of those kind of self-imposed doubts came into my mind, but I had worked with so many clients that had three times a week daily emails and I saw the impact. So it was not like I was oblivious to like the benefits of everything. So I was like, let me do it. Like, let me switch that on and see what happens. And I basically just said, how's this going to work for me? How am I going to write six days a week? And so I basically took a page out of James Clear and it was like, all right, what am I using as the cue to write the email every day? And it was my first cup of coffee. Well, it takes about 20 minutes, half hour to finish that. So it was like, once that cup is gone, push send on the email. That's it. It's all you need to do. Like, don't worry about, you know, even like a content strategy plan or whatever, like just shit. And so that initial start allowed me to get through that first test that I have. I know I'm an you know me, I'm like a data geek. So I test everything, right? Let me see how this works for 30 days. And that little framework at least gave me a short email that was, you know, there was typos in there. There was all, all sorts of mistakes and things of that nature. And I was fine, but it showed that I was a human, right? And people stayed on. I doubled sales. I tripled affiliate sales. Like, I mean, within a month, like I was like, okay, I got to figure this out now. Like now, how do I wrap a strategy around this? And I don't say that everyone should do this, but it's like, it's an iterative process. Like, so once you start to see some benefits, you don't know what you don't know. So until you press send, you have no idea what format your reader is going to like, how things are going to look how they're going to engage with you. I mean, I can tell you to use an emoji in a subject line that's going to get your open rates up. Yeah. For some people it will, for some people it won't, doesn't for right. me. So like, right, you know, it right. is what it is. Yeah. So I say it's an iterative process. If you want to evergreen stuff and you're thinking about doing that, then think about doing it at least sending multiple emails in a week where your evergreen stuff is like on a Tuesday, and then you're sending live stuff on a Friday. So that this way you still have the pulse of your list. You could, you know, go on a podcast, at least on Friday, you could send out that you're on the podcast, you know, things like that. So at least this way, your best of hits are in your evergreen on Tuesdays, but you know, you're also getting the pulse and the live on Fridays as well. Yeah. I want to put you on the hot seat before we wrap up. Saw you on Twitter. You said you're moving back to WordPress. <laughs> Cue the evil background music right now. <laughs> Welcome back to WordPress. What what made that switch for you? Yes, I, <laughs> why? Yeah, I mean, truth be told, I want to write articles, right? Like, so, I mean, I you know, I have one site that was WordPress and that's been my site forever since the you know mid nineties kind of thing. And then my business site, nurturekit.co that's been on a, I, for lack of a better term, a, a hosted platform that was really built for SaaS landing pages. So there's no blog component. There's no publishing. There's no what, CMS. Was it, there's nothing. it wasn't Webflow. I thought it was no. Webflow. No. no, it's so actually it used to be landing.com and then they changed oh, okay. name. But it was really designed for landing pages. And truth be told, when I spun off 
one service, I needed a landing page. And this way, you know, it solves a problem at the time. Like I was just like, okay, I need a landing page that does this. And it worked great. But now as th certain things are matured and like all my content is pretty much on my newsletter and my email, some on YouTube, some in other areas of the online space, but I want to kind of have a home. So, you know, my background in WordPress, as you said, I was like, all right, let me go back there. It's very different from when I left. I think I left in 2019, something right around there. Like that was my last WordPress site. I've had clients use WordPress, like Cadence and all that. So, so I'm not totally oblivious to the world, but yeah, I mean, I'm back. That code will be moved over to WordPress if it isn't already by the time you're listening to this. Jason Resnick, nurturekit.co, get ConvertKit optimized so you can convert more leads. If you struggle with getting all this stuff set up like I do, check out Jason. Jason, where else can folks find you? Yeah, you could go to nurturekit.co slash blueprint, and that's the new subscriber to customer flow that I recommend. Equalize Digital, WordPress Accessibility Day 2023. We're going to chat about all of these things, but tell me a little bit about Equalize Digital. Recently at WordCamp US, the headline speaker talked about they're building a website for NASA. Your product is being used on that project or a part of that project. Tell us more about Equalize Digital and what you do. Yeah, so we are a WordPress accessibility focused company, which means we're focused on making WordPress websites work for people with disabilities. And we have a plugin, Equalize Digital Accessibility Checker. There's a free version of it on WordPress.org. And then we have a premium version that has various licensing tiers. And that is being included in the NASA website. And actually we were excited to know that when Lone Rock Point was the company who did all the dev on that, when they pitched NASA on using WordPress, our plugin was one of the reasons that NASA decided to use WordPress over some of the other CMSs that they were looking at. We also were the accessibility team on the project. So we did all of the auditing and user testing with people with disabilities on the beta site. There is a pretty strong presence in the Gravity Forms ecosystem of using Gravity Forms for nonprofit sites, for donations, recurring donors, and, and stuff like that. Have you, I'll put you on the hot seat, have you, have you used Gravity Forms in any of your projects? Oh man, Matt, I brought a Gravity Forms license in 2010. So <laughs> yes, we use Gravity Forms on all of our custom website builds. It's on my personal website like my kid's website, because I'm just like, if you're going to build a form, that's what we use. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure we'll sort of dive into this, but it's on the WordPress Accessibility Day website, which I am one of the lead organizers of WordPress Accessibility Day and the president of the board, because that is a nonprofit organization. And we love Gravity Forms because there has been such a focus on accessibility within Gravity Forms. And so for us, it's a no-brainer to use it on the Accessibility Day website because we don't have to worry about fixing a bunch of things <laughs> to actually make it work the way it should for people with disabilities. Does your 
accessibility checker plugin, does it also, uh, this is a foolish question, but does it work on form fields as well? And is that something that, a, like a little recipe, a little solution for the freelancer agencies out there to test their Gravity Forms with your plugin before they ship their sites? Yeah, so accessibility checker, what it does is it gets the HTML and the CSS and it scans the entire page for every URL on the website. So it'll scan things in the header, footer, sidebars, main content area widgets. It expands short codes. If someone has short codes, if they're not using a Gravity Forms block, for example, they're kind of old schooling it with the short code, it'll expand the short code and it would scan. It'll, it'll tell you, let's say, and Gravity Forms has a warning about this too, but if you have a field where you haven't filled in the label because you wanted it to just be blank, <laughs> It would, it would notify you of that and it would say that you have a field with an empty label. So the plugin can be used to test how other plugins are outputting on WordPress websites. We also have a handful of plugin developers that are using it to test their own products. So it can be used just to test products as well. Yeah, and that's a very common the sort of the blank field. I'm just thinking about the end users that are out there and, and myself guilty as charged as like, you know, building sites for marketing purposes. You're like, hey, I just want the email sign up box there and I'm going to put some uh, copy around it, but I just want a blank field. Yeah, right? use Those a placeholder instead. Yeah, use a placeholder instead, right? And that makes sense. And I guess your customers, the people who just don't know this space and don't know how to check for this stuff and that and your plugin will will help in those areas. We are doing a lot with Gravity Forms on the WordPress Accessibility Day website. Uh, we have figured out ways, especially with Gravity Forms advanced post-creation add-on. Uh, we have the elite license for Gravity Forms, so we have access to all the add-ons, which is super handy. Um, but we're using that to really save time for the organizing team. So this year, when people submitted an application to speak, the, with that add-on, it created a draft post in our, um, in our sessions post type with all of the talk information. And then we went through this whole anonymous selection process. And then once we selected people, we turned the ones that we selected into pending posts. And then we have a speaker onboarding form where they could come in. And I think this might be using um, GravityWiz, populate anything to pop, it populates in a dropdown the titles of the pending posts. So the speakers could choose which posts they were or which session was theirs. And then they submitted their bio, their onboarding form, all of that kind of stuff. And that created the people post and automatically connected it to the session post. And then all we had to do was go in and like make sure they didn't have any errors or anything wrong. And then, you know, it like up uploaded their photo as a featured image and to the media library with alt text and all that kind of stuff, which was awesome. And then we just had to hit publish, which in previous years, I think we were doing a lot of this like copying and pasting manually. So that was super cool. Of course, we're accepting donations um, and selling donation tickets to attend. And we're doing a lot of stuff with um, things going over to Google Sheets with the Zapier add-on, which is super handy. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Are you using the user registration add-on as well for before everybody signs up and fills out all that information? Um, so yes, we use the user registration with our attendees because our attendees at WordPress Accessibility Day get access to um, swag, and, like digital swag, and they have the ability to enter to win. Like I know Gravity Forms is going to give away an elite license, and so people can go on Gravity Forms sponsor page 
and enter to win that, but you have to be registered. And so on our attendee registration form, it creates a pending user. They have to go verify it with their email just to help us reduce spam and they're a subscriber, but that gets um, everyone access to the things that are only visible to logged in users. Uh, that's fantastic. You know, I'll, and so the post creation and like creating these editorial workflows, I think are such a, um, I don't know, under the radar feature of Gravity Forms. And I'll, I'll admit something here. I have another publication that I do that's just for fun, like hobby for podcasting stuff. And I didn't decide, I didn't go with WordPress for this project, right? This oh was, man. I, <laughs> I didn't go with WordPress. And continuously kick myself because it's the same sort of thing where people can submit their uh, podcast setups and they can just share like what microphone people use, software, like how you record your show and all this stuff. And I didn't choose WordPress for various reasons, but the biggest thorn in my side is copying and pasting all this stuff back into, I'm using Ghost, so I'm staying in the open source world putting all that stuff back into ghost when like, every time I do it, I'm like, I could just be using gravity forms and yeah. people could fill it out, draft the post and I could just go in and review it and hit publish and save myself a few hours every time. Um, it has saved fantastic. so much time for us. I mean, the other thing we did too with that user registration add on is we have a, a front end form that allows people to, well, I think we have a front end login that's powered with the gravity form short code that's part of user registration. But we also have an update profile um, because we didn't want subscribers to have access to the back end of the website at all. So we have that and it's using Gravity Forms merge tags. So if you go to that form, it pulls in everything that you've already have saved on your user profile, but then you can edit it and hit save and that will change. You know, if users want to be, they can choose on the their own, whether they want to be visible on the attendee list. And before we had that in a prior year, I think people were like, oh, I changed my mind. I said no, but now I want to be there. And so then somebody had to like manually go to it. And now we're just like, give up, give users the power. And it saved us so much time. Let's talk about the WordPress Accessibility Day. Talk to me about how this organization is structured. You're the lead host. Is, is that how you, is that your running title for this year? Well, so there's there's two different groups of people. WordPress Accessibility Day, as of this year, we became a 501c3 nonprofit through an, a partnership with Nobility. As a result, we actually have a board of directors. So that's myself, Joe Dolson, and Bette Hannon. The three of us are the board for the nonprofit. We are also the lead organizers. I'm technically the president of the board and and then i kind of oversee all of our marketing initiatives for wordpress accessibility day but and then we have an organizing team with a lot of other people who have stepped up to help make the event what it is mm. and it's completely live streamed right this is not an yes. in-person event are, are there ever plans to go in person probably not i mean Part of, so WordPress Accessibility Day is a 24 hour event. And a big part of why it is that is because we want to make sure that we have accessibility talks that are happening during business hours for people, no matter where they are in the world. And it's on Zoom and we have 
live captioning, we have sign language interpreters that come, and having it that way removes the costs or the travel barriers that might otherwise exist for people being able to attend. And so really, it'll probably always be virtual because that is what makes it most accessible to the most people around the world. Completely free, correct? It, yep, it is 100% free to attend. There are options to donate if you wish to support the organization since it is a nonprofit. And obviously there are expenses involved with bringing in interpreters and live human beings to caption things and things like that. But if someone cannot donate or they don't want to, they are welcome to attend totally for free. Gravity Forms is the one of the platinum sponsors alongside your agency. You can get access to the website at 2023.wpaccessibility.day. I love these TLDs. I know. These, <laughs> <laughs> .day. I wonder what that did to the .com value of selling domains when they released so many different TLDs. I don't know. It was sort of a fun <laughs> switch that we did last year when we rolled out that event. And so... Yeah. 2023.wpaccessibility.day. Amber Hines, thanks for hanging out with us today. Okay, thank you. That's it for today's episode. If you could do one more thing for me today, share this episode on social media, your favorite Facebook group or Discord channel. Spread the word about this podcast. It really helps. If you haven't added Breakdown to your favorite podcast app, point your browser to gravityforms.com slash breakdown and click the icon of your app to add us and listen to us every two weeks. Okay, we'll see you in the next episode.